And welcome to another episode of From Africa to the World. It's all about African excellence, African leadership, and African inspiration. With me, Yavi Madure. So doing business in Africa, let's talk about creating a women economy, a feminist economy, by women, for women. In 2019, the World Bank Group released a report that revealed what many of us already knew but did not have the facts at our fingertips. Now we do. It stated that Sub-Saharan Africa has the highest rate of entrepreneurship in the world, with approximately 42% of the non-agriculture labor force classified as self-employed or employers. It also showed that most entrepreneurs are unable to grow their businesses beyond small-scale subsistence operations, impeding their contribution to poverty reduction and shared prosperity. Specifically, this was in reference to women, as women made up the most part of this. The report highlighted the challenges that Africa's, Africa's women entrepreneurs face every day on the continent and looked at practical solutions to overcome these. In the world we live in now, we have to use what is happening now to look at how we remove the barriers to growth and profitability, how social norms, culture and religion, as well as legal and regulatory frameworks, hinder the performance and evolution of women-owned businesses. We were given a challenge by Mampumzile Mlambo Mupa a few weeks ago to devise and lead strategies for the formalization of the informal industry in Africa, but so many women are a part of. Speaking of the executive director of UN Women, her now famous words of build back better has become a challenge, uh, a poem, uh, a call to action, if you must, and an anthem of strategic intent for women organizations across the world in reference to creating a better world when we actually do build back better after the global pandemic. The topics we will be talking about today is how do we capacitate women, how do we connect women, and how do we ensure the credibility of women in business in Africa to unlock their leadership potential, but also to drive an African economy with a gender agenda. We need to stop talking about how to do it and actually enable women to become change agents in their communities, their governments, countries, and regions to advocate for, for legal barriers to be removed that inhibit their abilities and progress towards economic empowerment. I am honored today to be joined by an African power player, nicknamed Mother Africa, the founder of African Women in Agriculture and Art and the founder and chair of Believe in Africa, the very dynamic Miss Angel Brigitte Cuemo. Welcome to the Africa to the World podcast. It's wonderful to have you with us today. And my very first question to you today is about your passion for Africa. You are the founder of Believe in Africa. What a name, what a powerful statement. Tell us about this. Thank you very much, Yavi. And I congratulate you for your commitment and for your work in support of women. I'm honored to be part of your, to be your guest today. And I'm looking forward to for, uh, a very productive and thought provocative discussion. 
Me too. I am so looking forward to it. And I want to start off by, um, I love the name of your organization. Well, both of them, but one in particular, you know, really speaks to me in terms of, you have such a passion for Africa um, and you are the founder of Believe in Africa. I mean, what a name, what a powerful statement to make with that name. So tell us about that. Um, yes, Believe in Africa was born in Washington, D.C. Uh, in 2014, but he was in, uh, in the burgeoning, he was in preparation since 2010. Uh, we, we, it's an idea from from, from former colleague of, colleague of mine, uh, some African working on the, on the U.S. Congress to continue to advocate for the good stories on the continent so that our policymakers in Washington, D.C. will understand at that time that Africa is not just a humanitarian basket. Uh, it can be a good trading partner. Africa has great potential. And we were reporting, educating people, uh, policymakers, to say, uh, on, on good stories. So, and then the, the underlying objective was really to, to make sure that everybody understands that the future of Africa is in Africans' hands. So I don't know, we don't know any country in this planet who was built by foreigners. So we need to find a way to put the Africans in the driver's seat. And for that to happen, we need to believe in ourselves, we need to train among ourselves, and we need to empower ourselves. So that's why we came up with Believe in Africa, we need to save it all. It definitely does. Um, uh, you know, when I saw the name, and obviously I know, you know, I know of you, you have been on some of our panel discussions, um, you know us. You know, as people, people, so we know your passion uh, from an African perspective. We also know your passion from a farming and agriculture aspect. And part of that, what you know, when you look at farming and agriculture across Africa, what are some of the things that you feel need, you know, the attention right now and the focus right now? What is it that that comes to mind immediately when I say to you? So what needs to be done when it comes to agriculture slash farming um, on the African continent? Yeah, so very, very good question. My, you know my passion on women and I apply that passion on the sector where um, there's no competition. Because can, women have always been at the forefront of, of agricultural development on the continent from farming to the table. So, but. Um, we, as you said earlier, we don't want to talk about issues and challenges. We want to talk about solutions and actions. Um, but the premise is, is you know, helping women in business in general, helping Africa in general, is not just uh, a social imperative or a, a matter of equity or fairness. It's an economic uh, proposition because you know, we look at the GDP or the, 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 the SDGs, if we empower women, if we level the playing field, that could ask for the $8 trillion in the global GDP. And in Africa alone, we're losing $50 billion a year just because of this imbalance between uh, uh, men activities and women activities. So it's a really um, moral obligation and also uh, uh, economic imperative. When it comes to agriculture, for example, the, the solution is very simple. Agriculture is a business. It's a really uh, an aberration and it's, it's a shame to see a continent with 60, 60% of world Arab land still almost unexploited, uh, and a continent with net food importers. We're importing $35 billion a year on food. It's ridiculous. And that number can even go up uh, by 2025, according to the, to the, world, to the ADB, African Development Bank report, 
not even including the challenge that we face now with post-COVID. So, and then in that in that sector, we have any almost depends on countries. The countries you go from 50% or 70% of labor force being women, uh, from the distribution to the processing, processing even in the informal sector that now just mentioned how we can formalize uh, the, the informal sector. Same thing, they're almost at 70% of distribution of uh, first necessity product or food product in the markets. So the only thing we have to do is invest in women. Let's make it very simple. Let's help them move from subsistence to agropreneurs, agribusiness, and help them build prosperity. In order to do that, just level the playing field. When you look at the, 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 the situation, when we talk about uh, food security, uh, feeding people, okay, it's women business. When we talk about agri business, there's no women. But even when you go to all those big trading, the rice, for example, women, I know a woman in Senegal, from some, he doesn't even speak French, who's having, having 200 hectares of high rice. But when we go to all those trade discussions, all those big platforms, we don't see women, but they still at the forefront. So I believe you just need to invest in women and give them financial financial literacy, help them process the product, help them modernize the, 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 their profession because it's a profession. Uh, I spent three weeks in, in, my, in my village um, recently and, and I was ashamed. You see women in 2020, when I was a kid, 50 years ago, 40 years ago, I used to have my grandmother go to the farm in work. Uh, for three hours to go to the farm and come back the same thing, leave at four o'clock in the morning and come back at six. To 2020 again, the same women are still carrying the stuff in the back. I was almost quiet when I saw it. And in a village where you have at least 30 billionaires in CFA, millionaires in US dollars, doesn't make any sense. There are many 3,000 women in my little village, little kingdom. Doesn't make any sense. You just need to invest, organize them. That's what we're trying to do with our the African women agriculture and art. We're not farming directly, but I'm using my network to support the women, give them access to market domestically or internationally, advocate for them in all the platforms that I'm going. So make sure that you know when we discuss about trade, I also find a way to talk about agriculture, talk about these women that are we making that are feeding our society. Uh, give them access to credit, access to finance, and we change the mindset. And that's a big challenge. Even the numbers we gave earlier about you know, uh, the continent having the greatest number of entrepreneurs, but you also have a great number of failure. Why? Because leadership. Sometimes women have to convince themselves that it's not against law, against against the culture, and it's not gonna, they're not going to be cursed if they convince their father or convince their husband to give them uh, land ownership. I have one member of our organization, her name is Gladys in, in Benin. She literally had to disguise herself into a man for, to, uh, to have a chief in her village to give her access or property. In 2020, it doesn't make any sense. Wow. No, I'm serious. Maybe if you invite her on the show, she will tell you. Uh, she is no, she, they didn't know she was, uh, she was a girl until they signed the document. And because she, uh, she's a queen of uh, Shebera, she processed and she's exporting them in Belgium, in China, and in, in, in Japan. So give her, give her that opportunity. So we need to have our men, our traditional rulers, and uh, our cultural change. We, women cannot have access to, to, to credit because they don't have any collateral. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For example, 
we are going to talk about that. I know that it's something that um, you are very specifically passionate about, but also it has come up as the number one issue when it comes to women in business um, across Africa. So, so, and I know that it's something you're an advocate for um, and you understand it from its core, you know. So talk us through that. Talk us, go into a little bit of detail around what is this? Uh, why is it that access to finance for women, access to markets, because access to finance for them is access to markets. So why is it uh, that access to finance is so difficult for women across the world? Tell us. Uh, there are three regions, three reasons. One, the, the culture, and the culture and education. And you can see that firsthand when you go to North Africa, Algeria, Tunisia, and Morocco. Uh, because they still they have still have problems with access to even inheriting. I don't know how to say it in English. Um, they inherit have what their brothers are, therefore they don't have access. They don't have ownership or anything, so you cannot borrow any money if you don't have collateral. Number one. Number two, education. We need to give them financial tools. We need to understand how they run the business. Sometimes in their mind it's still subsistence. They grow their farm. And they, they eat it, but they don't really calculate if they're already really making profit or not. So you need to get give them basic financial literacy. Number two, and then number three, you need to give them access to market. Is it also part capacity building? Because even if you give them access to finance, it's not going to resolve the problem if the the the, the activities are not uh, generating revenue in the sense that they can they are really building prosperity. They, they still are in subsistence mode. So, and the same thing, so a country like Morocco, for example, that I really like, I like the, the policies, I like the framework, the, the approach with the, the Covid du terroir, how they were able to uh, to invest in women in rural areas and uh, rural areas in general and, and market Moroccan-made products. Everywhere in the world, when you go, you see uh, 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 Argonor, you see uh, uh, the cups, you see they were able to, to export. Why? Because there was a political will to create a brand. And then they support the local community to produce those brands and they create an avenue for them to export. Now, that which is good, but now the downside of it is they need to graduate and be self-sufficient. So you need to invest in all those producers and help them become self-sufficient, become less dependent on domestic aid but we need to aggregate the system so they can go in a, in a position share better for her that she's processing to organize the women to reach that level so they can have access to bigger market same thing for honey there's a lot of cooperatives out there we just need to find a way to aggregate them so you can collectively go to big market and you know, go to big opportunities and graduate from subsistence to agribusiness so I can talk for hours. <laughs> I know, I can hear, I can hear. But Liz, I want you to unpack this for me a little bit. Um, I want you to unpack this for me in a very specific way. So a couple of weeks ago, um, actually at the end of, you were on one of the panels for Kabwa Africa Week uh, during that week. And we closed off the week with Mam Kumzile and um of UN Women. And um, one of the things that she said to she said to us at Tabwa is that 
you know, well, she said two things to us. The first was, um, do we understand that we are either one of very few that she has not heard of, or we are the only um, economic uh, uh, women organization, uh, you know, on the continent, uh, or one of very few. She wasn't 100% sure, and I must be honest, we haven't been able to find another. But aside from that, you know, or in line with that, said to us that if there's one thing that we achieve um, as an organization and basically I'm I'm extending this to all the friends of Papua um, obviously from in terms of you for example um, is how do we collectively so how do we work with you with other organizations to formalize the informal sector and and I want us to talk about it in terms if you know what I'm saying so like you know how do we take an informal trader that is selling peanuts as you were saying earlier and how do we now start to formalize them formalize them in terms of being of them being able to be recognized as an economic contributor you know not necessarily formalizing them in any other way but being able to recognize them as a, as an economic contributor how would we start to formalize um, the informal sector of Africa? Okay, I'm going to shock you. Uh, and I'm going to say you something uh, a little bit crazy, but that's reality. Formalizing the informal sector is fine, it's a good idea. But before that, we need to have work on our governance. I don't know about South Africa or... or of East Africa, but I know in Central Africa, and I know in Cameroon, and in many other places, the moment you open your business, the moment you put your sign at the door, tax collectors will come. There's a big trust issue with a public sector. If you don't resolve that, I don't think people will come out of the informal sector. I won't even advocate, encourage them to come out of the public sector, because the reality, that's the reality. We need to train our government officials, our fiscal policy or fiscal stakeholders to understand the role of the private sector. They don't. When you when you work for the government, your objective is to spend money because you have your budget that was authorized by Congress. Uh, you have appropriation, we cut the check. If you don't spend it by the end of the fiscal year, you don't get it next year. So their job is to spend money. Their mindset is to spend it. The private sector mindset is different, it's to make profits, to save, to save, to save, and to make profits. So we need to find a way to, for, for, for them to understand our reality. And then, and then you have the big elephant who is corruption. As an advocate, I swear to God, I will not tell women in the market to go to public family because I know the next thing, the next thing will happen to them, they will be shut down. Because of corruption, uh, because of sometimes the government needs to collect the maximum money to pay off the World Bank. That's the reality. That's number one. A lot of work needs to be done in our governance, in our and they need to learn. We need to find a way to, uh, uh, in, in developing countries, for example, in the US Congress, where I have experience, sometimes the policy, the government can generate revenue. You can find ways to have a, a, a payoff programs. That's why when you go to for a service, for example, in some administration, you want to apply for your visa or apply for 
some documentation immigration you pay a fee to cover the salary so don't necessarily have to rely on loan from the world bank or the britain would cover the, the government expenditure and that's why sometimes they have to squeeze the private sector so they can collect money and pay off their debt and steal part of the money it's going to inspire us at pabwa to to take your words very seriously and make us look at how do we reform how do we start to actually create opportunities create platforms and to use technology um if i understood you correctly to be able to make things easier for 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 businesses but women in business specifically for women in business specifically so thank you so much for joining us thank you it's been a it's been an absolute pleasure to have this discussion thank you for having me Whoa!